Well, good morning. I'd like to read the word of God to you. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came to seek fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dressers, look, for three years now I've been coming to seek fruit on this fig tree and I can find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and I put manure on it. And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Well, morning, my beloveds, both online and, and, and here with us today. We have a, a good crowd of folks here with us today. If we have not met yet, my name is Ken, and I'm the guy around here that says all the wrong things. <laughs> That's my job. Not the, um, I, <laughs> not the only one. No, <laughs> I, I, I say things that make people mad. I say things that, um, I'm the one who sometimes says things that make people uncomfortable, sometimes. And, and as I looked at the parable we just read, I, I thought of this great idea for a sermon title. Sometimes you got to go through a little manure to grow love. My wife vetoed that title. <laughs> she said, I could not use the word manure in print. It was too crass. And she's usually right. Even though I sometimes have a hard time accepting her fact that she's usually right. So I prayed more and I studied more and I now have a, a much more appropriate title. Now is the time. And Natasha, my wonderful new administrative assistant, did a marvelous job creating this beautiful slide. Much better than manure. <laughs> but I... <laughs> I guess I did sneak in the word manure that wife <laughs> thinks is too dirty to say, even though Jesus said it first. But I, I believe this parable is truly about something much more offensive than manure to us sinners. The parable speaks of accountability. Now, accountability is a word that sinners hate. And since we all sin, we hate the word. Although we do like it for other people. But when we realize the preacher might be talking about us, frankly, it's a bunch of manure. We, we get mad at the preacher for saying that word, just like my wife is probably mad at me right now because I keep saying <laughs> manure. <laughs> But manure, like accountability to God, is truly the reality of our existence, isn't it? Accountability is a necessary thing for us to grow and be healthy as people, both spiritually and eternally. So let me do my job and ask you the really unpopular question right now. Are, are you being accountable to God? Are, are you being accountable to being loving when it's hard? Be, because Jesus' parable is saying God is coming to hold you 
and be accountable. God is the owner of the vineyard in this story. And all the resources you possess in this life are actually his. And he's coming to inspect and see, what are we doing with them? We are the trees in this parable. Now, each of us is a different kind of tree because God is infinitely creative and he expresses himself in all kinds of different ways in his church and his creation. But like the trees, we are his creation with a purpose. Like every tree, he is created with a specific purpose. And that purpose, like the fig tree, is to produce fruit. And what kind of fruit is a human tree to produce? Well, I, I believe the scriptures would tell us it's love. Because we are all seeds here planted in his image. Galatians 5, through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, some would say these are fruits of the Spirit. But the text says fruit. It's fruit of God's Spirit, which is love. And I, and I believe those other words just describe or, or an expression of what love truly is. In, in the first five verses of Luke 13, Jesus has been talking about repentance. And then in Matthew 3, 8, John the Baptist says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So the fruit is not repentance. Fruit is produced through repentance. Repentance is turning our hearts back to God and, and his design for our lives which ultimately will produce love. You know, when Jesus was challenged by the religious people, the, the church of his day, about what was most important to God, Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your minds, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Beloved, we are accountable to love. Love God, love others, and love ourselves. And, and God is the owner, and he's coming back to check and see if we trees are producing love. And, and love is produced by first repenting, coming to him and receiving his love, repenting of our bad attitudes about others and ourselves, and loving them and ourselves. Beloved, we're not just accountable to receive his love, but to give his kind of love to others and ourselves. Beloved, we are to be productive in love. Now, I said I am the guy who says all the wrong things. I do that because God has called me to love you by illuminating attitudes or actions that are not producing fruit. 
sin is, is missing the mark of God's love. You know, that middle letter in, in the word sin is I, and it points to the problem. It, it's, uh, sin is about self-focus. Doing what I want without considering what's loving towards God, towards others, and ultimately myself. And sinners like you and me don't like to be held accountable to love God, others, and ourselves. So we often ignore or kill the messenger like we did to Jesus and a bunch of other preachers like John the Baptist before him. You know, at Crosswinds, we use an illustration called the three circles to help us have gospel conversations. But I believe this same pattern exists throughout the scriptures, throughout the whole Bible's story. It's, it's the main theme of the Bible. See, God has a, a design for his life. We as trees are supposed to produce fruit or love. Love is designed. That is the, the fruit of us trees. And, and, and we are supposed to produce this love so that we produce more trees and, and, and more fruit for our God. But friends, here's the reality. We all depart from what we are accountable to do. And, and friends, this departure is sin. When we don't want to be accountable to God, we, we, we want to do it our way. And friends, when we do that, our, our lives become broken. We lose our joy. We, we become unproductive. We, we fear. We, we despair. We, we hurt others. We, we hurt ourselves. We, we become destructive to love. We, we actually can become haters of God, haters of ourselves, and haters of others. And in the pain of this brokenness, and instead of turning back to God, we find idols or, or, or distractions. It's like looking for love in, in all the wrong places. We, we look through it, at it through affairs, and, and we look at it through pornography we look for love. We, we look for it in romance novels or in our fantasies. We, we replace the fruit of true love for false loves. And we end up with broken trees that are not producing what they are designed to produce, true love. We, we keep growing branches. Those squiggly lines are like branches of distraction, trying to produce fruit. Maybe we were trying to find love and success, trying to be famous, trying to be wealthy. And, it, and, and then if we achieve that, we find there's no fruit there, not real fruit. We might try branching out into self-improvement or religion and, and still find there's no real fruit. We, we might branch out trying to find it in consumption of things and in, in drinking too much or eating too much or shopping or binge-watching TV or having fun and exciting experiences. We might look for it in people through finding love, having lots of friends, getting married, trying to please people and trying to make them happy. And after all that, we find there's no fruit, not real fruit in that. For example, if you're looking to find all your love in your children, treating them as your gods, 
When they become teenagers, you will find you have created a cruel God. Or as an adult, maybe a God that completely rejects you. Just like we are rejecting God, making our children gods instead. We are, we are departing, and, 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 and maybe now they are now departing because we taught them to depart instead of being accountable to God. See, I told you I'm the guy who says all the wrong things, the inappropriate things, telling you to look and see that the problem is in you. You are the one departing from his design. That's why you feel broken, tree. That's why there is no fruit or, or false fruit. You may not want to hear it. You may say, I am being accountable to my kids. I'm being accountable to my job. I'm, I'm being accountable to being a success. I'm being accountable to my church. See what I do? And friends, those are all good things. But, but when a good thing becomes our God thing, or in competition with God, that thing becomes destructive, and we become broken and unproductive trees. No, preacher, I, I know this will work. If I just try harder, don't tell me to be accountable. I invented the world. My plan will work. If I just work harder at being accountable in all these areas, everything else except God, it'll work. Stop telling me my priorities are wrong. Pastor, you're wrong. You're right. I am a sinner who does this too. But what is Jesus saying? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 20, 33. Beloved, the fruit you really want is found in making God's will or, or, or design for your life the priority. Your anxiety is solved in that when you do. See, I think we each know instinctively that we are accountable to God. The grave reminds you of it. And at some point, you will all experience ultimate brokenness, the loss, the total loss of everything. Then how successful are you? How many, you know, is it going to matter how many sexual conquests you've had? Or how many kids that you have that, that love you and, and play professional sports because you were accountable to take them religiously to every game? No, no matter how many promotions you got, no matter how many big and beautiful houses you buy, no matter how much knowledge and, and self-improvement you gained. Friends, the, the grave is still there. A total loss of everything because you departed God's design in branches that could not produce fruit. Oh, preacher, you're judging me. You're, you're judging my life. You don't know what it's like to raise a family, to, to, to work, to pay bills, and, and, and to try to find a little joy in this life. You're, you're not accountable like I am. You only work one day a week. 
Maybe that's true. Not the one day a week thing, but. Let's look what God says about my accountability to God as your pastor. Obey your leaders and, and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you, Hebrews 13, 17. Now, now some of you may have already misread that, and in your minds you're thinking, you just want me to be accountable to you, pastor. But look at that verse again. Who is the one held accountable in that verse? It's me. God holds me accountable for whether you're fruitful. You know, it would be much more fun for me to tell you every day, you can have your best life now. That it's all about you. You don't have to be accountable to God first. You can still have all your dreams and just ignore him. That, that God wants to bless us all with big houses and big cars and, and kids that are going to be professional athletes and they're going to be beautiful and they're all going to be popular. Friends, I mean, that stuff sells. You could fill an arena with that kind of stuff with a big smile. We, 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 we could fill this place with that kind of talk. My life would be a lot easier. People would like me. They, they wouldn't avoid me. They would not grumble about me. Hey, let's, let's just take an opinion poll of what sinners like to hear and do that. What a big church we might have. Let's get rid of the cross. Sinners don't like that cross. Reminds them of something. But I'm a tree too. And when I read what Jesus has said, I'm accountable to produce real fruit. And, and God's not going to come here and ask Ken, how big was your church? How popular were, were you as a preacher? My owner is coming someday to say, Ken, where is the fruit? Where is the love? And friends, love is hard. And it takes a little manure to produce it. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, a pastor he was training, the aim of our charge is love that, that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, 1 Timothy 1.5. And, and friends, what I am most accountable to God for you and in me is love. That's the aim. And telling what you, you what you want to hear will not necessarily produce it in you or anybody else. But, but challenging the, the priorities of your life in hope that you will repent and put God first is actually loving you. Even if the crowd gets smaller. Well, but I want you to think about what's going on in the Gospel of Luke that we've been journeying in for almost three years now. Jesus had a mega church. Everyone was coming for the free bread and sushi. His followers were like 5,000 plus. And then Jesus turns his face 
towards the cross, and the crowd started to depart. The crowd said, you, you mean life's not going to be rainbows and unicorns? We're, we're not going to dominate our enemies? We're, we're not going to make a bunch of bread just for us? Not everybody's going to think we're the best church in town? You said some hard things about the, our priorities in life being off. You, you talked about death, and you talked about manure, and you talked about uncomfortable things like eating your body and drinking your blood. You're going to say to us that you're going to demonstrate God's love by doing the most unpopular thing ever, walking to a cross? The, the thing that's the biggest disgrace we know don't you know God's word, Jesus? It says it's cursed for a man to hang on a tree. This is foolish. I want my best life now. This accountability stuff is, is for the birds. Yeah, my life's broken, but I can manage that. Stop giving me this cross manure, Jesus. And when the ministry started to looked like it was imploding, that it was going into the toilet. Jesus looked at his 12 disciples and says to them, do you want to depart too? In John 6, 8, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And, and they stayed accountable to the mission because they knew God was accountable to them and, and that His love and provision was enough to sustain them even when things looked lean. After all, they were still with the bread and sushi maker. And, and so they turned and they followed Jesus instead of the crowd. And even their own desires, they, 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 they turned from their own desires to, to, to follow Jesus. Because we know from the Gospels, they were all arguing about who was the greatest, duh, Jesus. But they argued amongst themselves. And they would have to sacrifice being the greatest to be the least of these for the sake of the Gospel. Because what God desired in them was true fruit. Love for him, love for others, love for self. Yeah, you know, I just finished preaching through Luke 12 in our Anxiety Solve series. And when the crowd formed, Jesus told them a parable about a, a rich man who made all his stuff, all his wealth, his priority. And, and God comes looking for fruit from his life and says, Fool! This night, your soul is required of you. And those things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The man's soul was required of him because he was accountable. Then Jesus tells a parable out of master. This parable out of master and his servants who are accountable to be awake and ready for his return and the ones that are, are joyful. And then he tells another one about some servants who he has given his 
resources to manage. And the ones who are accountable are joyful. They're, they're, they're rewarded. But the one who does not manage well and beats other servants and is not merciful to others and he mistreats them, he is cut to pieces because there's no real fruit. Then Jesus tells the crowd that they are accountable to, to love him, to love him more than even their very own families, and that loving him will create divisions because sinners do not like to think that we are accountable to God. It bothers them when you are because they want you to be first accountable to them. And, and then Jesus teaches we are accountable to recognize the opportunity we have in the gospel and, and be accountable to that, uh, be accountable to be uh, the gospel instead of how we interpret the circumstances, the weather, and all these things. We're, we're supposed to be accountable to the gospel. And then Jesus lets them know that they are accountable to a judge for a great debt of sin. And, and, and we are all accountable for our sin. And so it's much better for us to settle out of court and find grace and mercy. And then Jesus finally teaches that those who do good in life are, are, are just as accountable as those they consider the worst sinners. And the victims of this life are also accountable to produce fruit. And then in our text today, Jesus says the owner, God, is coming to look for his fruit. And the people, the crowd of people from the big religious system of the day have none, according to this parable. Israel has not repented, even though they feel like, hey, we're the chosen people. We're the ones that know God. He has revealed himself to us. But the people had forgotten what God requires. And, and yet they're still planted in very fertile soil. Yes, they're a small, harassed nation at this time, but, but they are the ones with God's word. They are the ones with the opportunity to find him and, and to be restored by his grace. This is very fertile soil. The people of Jordan... They have God's temple. They, they have a sacrificial system that all points to his grace. It all points to his gospel. It all points to his love and provision and forgiveness for them. And yet their hearts, their hearts are far from him. They, they have the biggest church around, bigger than Egypt, bigger than anywhere else. They got God. They have it. And yet his love and his grace appear to be gone. Even though they have more Revealed knowledge of him than any other nation on the planet. And Jesus tells him this parable about his father finding no fruit. Because they have no love for God. Because they're bickering with Jesus and they're, they're bickering with each other. But the soil's fertile. They're in the vineyard that God had created for them. And yet there's no love growing in them because they, they will not repent and produce love. They're, they're busy massing wealth or, or, or making a living. They're, they're just too busy taking care of their own family's needs, so they're ignoring their neighbors. They're just too busy blaming the owner and complaining about their needs that they're not being met. 
but they're in a vineyard of fertile soil. You know, this past summer, my wife and I were traveling, and we enjoyed visiting some vineyards in, in Michigan. And at each one, I, I always thought about how wealthy and how, how patient the owners, the people that started the vineyard must be. I mean, the founders have prepared the land. They have planted the grapes, and, and they have to wait at least three years until the grapes are mature enough to harvest. And then it could be another two years to actually taste a vintage. You know, you, you have to purchase the land, work the land, hire the workers to plant, build your facilities, process the grapes for five years until you see any fruit or profit from your labor. That, that takes amazing faith and investment for the owners to see fruit for their labors. Patiently and at great cost to him, he, he creates this beautiful space, something for others to enjoy. And then some bridal party comes in drinking wine slushies and gets sloppy drunk, I've seen it, stepping on the grapes with no appreciation for the love and care that this man put into his vineyard. God has, I went, went to one, this is a side story, and it was like a frat party. That's how they designed it. I wouldn't advise going there. The music was too loud for my wife and I to talk as they played bags and slop, sloshies. God has invested so much love into Israel for thousands of years. And they are intoxicated with the world and will not repent. This, this fig tree is, is growing in perfect soil. The, the soil they once bore fruit in, but they've lost love because they personally do not repent. You know, Israel's often represented in Scripture as a fig tree that bears no fruit. Hosea 9.10 says this, Like grapes in the wilderness I found Israel, like the first fruit on the fig tree in its season. I saw your fathers, but they came to Baalpor and consecrated themselves to things of shame. They became detestable like the things they loved problem was they loved other things instead of God. Loving God was not the top one priority of their lives. And then the owner comes and sees this big fig tree that he's planted, sucking up all the rich nutrients and the soil and, 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 and not producing any fruit. And the owner says, cut it down. Why, why should it use up the ground? I mean, think of the investment the owner has put, and he sees no profit or fruit. He's been patient. He has proved his goodness. And the tree comes to him and says, I'm just not being fed here. I just need to seek my food in other places. You know, there are many preachers in Israel, and, and they were coming to Jesus this day just because he was the latest curiosity. Many were there, but they not, did not necessarily love God. They, they just wanted God to do a favor for them. He want, they wanted God to make their lives a little easier, give us a little bread. I, I, I could just imagine hearing them complain, I'm just not being fed here, Jesus. God, uh, this, this new preacher you sent is talking about manure again. 
He's saying, I must be accountable and I, I must repent. Hey, dudes, there, there's more bread and sushi over here. Let, let's go over here. Let's go get fed. Doesn't that sound like the American consumer-driven church of today? Unless the church meets all my personal needs, I'm not being fed. Dude, Jesus wants fruit. You're supposed to learn to love and feed others. Beloved, you, you have the word of God. You have an app. You have a Bible with hundreds of translations. You have Bible study leaders here like Kathy and Todd who would love to study the Bible with you. You can read some of the best theological books ever written free. They're public domain on Amazon. You have the Holy Spirit in you to guide you. You have a pastor who loves you and preaches the gospel to you. And yes, he sometimes says manure, but, but that's because he's a sinner too. But the gospel he preaches is from Jesus and it's rich food. What does God say to the tree? Why should you use up the ground? I placed you in good soil. Bear fruit. What, what good will it do if I put you in another pasture if you don't bother to suck up all the nutrients here? The, the problem isn't the soil you were in. The problem is you don't suck well. And because of that, you don't have any fruit. And you think all the other trees in the orchard suck. You're angry with everybody. But you're the one using up all the resources without being grateful for what I've given you and producing nothing in your selfishness. And this parable, we see the justice of God. He has made an investment in a tree that he owns, and it's not producing, it's making excuses. It's, it's complaining about the soil. It's, it's complaining about the vine dresser that's caring for it. But worse than that, it's, it's stealing resources from the precious soil. So there's none available for other hungry plants that, that need to grow. It, it, it will not obey and repent and produce fruit. Friends, I want you to know wherever you're at right now, God does not plant you in unproductive soil. He has made an investment into your growth right where you are. And he has every right to cut you down. And, and friends, that could be the end of the story, but it's not. Thankfully, it's not for sinners like you and me who depart from our accountability. The vine dresser says, Sir, leave it alone this year until I dig around it and I put manure on. See, Jesus said it. Put manure on it. <laughs> uh, put a little manure on it. And then if it should bear fruit next year, then well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The vine dresser in the story is Jesus. Hey, Dad, be patient. Leave it alone for now. We'll, we'll keep investing in it. Please, let it take up your ground. I know it's costing you a lot, but I will teach it. I will, I will train it to bear fruit. Let me, let me dig around it. Let me break up that soil. I want you to think back to the three circles. Let, let it become broken. You know, some commentators believe what Jesus is talking about is 
cutting or separating the tree from its earthly attachments, cutting it, cutting it from the ground. Because the problem is that tree is too distracted by the other things of life, other things of this world, to actually produce fruit. Let, let's break up all the false loves that has planted itself in so it'll, it'll, it'll drive its roots deeper into true love and become fruitful. Maybe if I, if I put that tree in a little manure, a, a little hardship, it will, it will get the nutrients it needs to stop being selfish and, and learn to love. Father, let it, let it become accountable to me. I, I, I will help them sort out their priorities. I'll, I'll be accountable. The problem is they are distracted in the wrong soil. They're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their, their fruit does not mature. Father, you, you have invested so much. Give me a little time. I will, I will go prepare the soil, and, and, and you're going to see more fruit than you can count. Father, make me accountable for them. Jesus says to us, tree, drop your priorities. Come follow me. I will teach you how to love. I will teach you how to become a fisher of men. You've not become fruitful just feeding yourself. Feeding yourself on junk food. Sitting in my fine soil. Turn. Turn from that. Follow me. Do what I do. See, deep, rich, productive soil is created when we become accountable to Christ. And, and, and we suffer for the sake of others. Finding our nourishment in our branches, the idols, will leave us fruitless. We must turn, believing in the sacrifice of the love he has made for us, and follow him, even sometimes, friends, into the manure. Fruit grows where real love is proved. Jesus comes and proves the soil. Remember that group of 12 that followed him? He dragged them into the manure with him, didn't he? He led them right to the disgrace, right to the cross. The cross is about being accountable to love through suffering for the sake of others, dying to yourself. In the, in the garden, Jesus was accountable to his father's love. Abba. Daddy, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus gave up the normal human priorities of life, like health and wealth and popularity, even with his friends and his family, to bear real fruit for his father. His focus was on loving others through the gospel because that showed loving obedience to his father. On the cross, as he died, he cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They, they, they don't know how to love. I need to amend the soil of their hearts. Be, be patient. Don't, don't cut them down yet, even though they're killing me. Jesus gave up his life for us because he was accountable to God. Into your hands, Lord, I, I commend my spirit. His soul was demanded for our sin 
he became the cursed tree. And all the manure of our sins was put on his beautiful, perfect, sinless soul, cursing it. He suffered what we deserved, death for our sins. He was buried, buried in a borrowed grave. But friends, on the third day, God's perfect first fruit came out of the new creation up from the ground, alive forever. Amen. Giving us the promise of eternal life if we will just turn and believe in his mercy and follow him. If we will turn to love, real love. Jesus will help us unproductive trees bear fruit. He will help us recover and pursue God's design for our lives again of being good, fruit-bearing trees. Our, our, our vine dresser has given us all the opportunity for grace if we will just be accountable and follow him. In this parable, Jesus is saying, now is the time to be fruitful by following me in faith. Because of our sin, the word of God says through John the Baptist, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Beloved, now is the time to bear fruit. Jesus, full of grace and truth, agrees. A time is coming. He did say that. For you to be cut down if you don't. Even the manure you are going through in your life right now is God's kindness meant to lead you to repentance. Friends, the things he prunes, the things he cuts away in your life are, are his mercies to help you get your priorities straight. So you will turn, follow him, and bear fruit. If you have trouble in your life right now, do you think it might be because you're not turning to him? The, the, the fruit you're trying to bear is on your own and it will not grow because Jesus says apart from him, you can do nothing. Many today in the church are going to the cross, but they're going to the thief on the cross instead of Jesus. I'll have time later, Jesus, to bear fruit. Right now, it's all about me. I'll, I'll, I'll just count on that last minute grace. I will not change my priorities. I will not be accountable right now to what you have to say. I'll just believe in what you said to the thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. I don't want to suffer and change any of my priorities for you or anyone else. What they forget is that thief on the cross was only one guy. One guy in the scriptures that suffered justly for his crime, his sin. And, and, and in that process, somehow budded love and, and concern for Jesus as fruit. And by Jesus' grace, Jesus rewarded him. But every other disciple Jesus ever called eventually turned and suffered with him for the sake of others. Those that want to be like the thieves on the cross instead become thieves in Jesus' church. 
stealing time, stealing resources, making others do all the work, stealing money by not giving sacrificially to help our neighbors out, to love others. See, they just waste the owner of the vineyard's resources. What he has given them to produce fruit for everyone. What would Jesus say if you don't produce any fruit? Scripture says, says, well and good, Father, cut it down. Beloved, do you realize you are more accountable to this parable than the people Jesus originally told the parable to? Because you have lived in the best soil possible. You have lived in ground soaked by his blood. You've lived in the new covenant. You have access to living water through the Holy Spirit. Friends, now is the time to repent of selfishness and produce fruit. You may think I'm just full of manure. Beloved, you are accountable to God, not me. The parable says you're accountable. Today, if you have heard his voice, do not harden your hearts and and grumble against God or or, or the people of this church, or, or, or me, you're accountable to love us. Today, turn and trust in his love for you so you can start bearing fruit. It, it will require the change of your priorities. You, you, you may have to follow him through the manure sometimes. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get messy Sometimes, learning to love others. Loving is not easy, it's hard. Learning to love the other trees in the orchard. Sometimes you have to die. Sometimes your leaves have to fall off to to fertilize someone else. But Jesus says to us, you are accountable to love. Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for those who have followed you and borne fruit that that touched my life and made sacrifices, that gave, that served, that helped out. Lord, I praise you. Lord, for the example that you gave in bearing fruit. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my pride. Trying to do it my own way. Right now, I turn to you. I want to suck you in. Take every opportunity, make you first so that I might bear the fruit you want. Father, if there's anybody here that's divided their heart among many priorities and they're feeling empty 
joyless and alone. Father, may they turn to you today. Maybe they turn from false love to real love. Let them repent, turn from the falseness to what is true. Lord, you approved your love by dying for them. Let them believe that right now, that you are that good. And Lord, let them follow you so that you can recover their joy, recover their peace, recover their happiness, recover their souls for all eternity. Father, send your Holy Spirit to water the ground to soften it. Convict us of our sin. Convict us of how good you are, how patient you have been. The time is now. Lord, let your people repent. Follow you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Would you all stand? Jeremy's going to sing a song for us with the team. Now is the time to repent. Not when you need it. It's today. Today, do not harden your heart. And so if you want to come and, and offer prayers of repentance with me, I'll be here up in the front. Your deacons are out there. There's, there's Todd and there's Steve and there's Eric. Go to them. Pray with them. Get on your knees. It's time to bear fruit for our King.